Imagine a conscious contact with God so strong that no matter what you are doing or not doing, that no matter what your kids are up to or not up to, and that whether you've got the person of your dreams or they're just not cooperating, that you are happy, content, and at peace. A space where everyone else's thoughts, attitudes, and actions are beautiful and exactly as they are supposed to be. Well, this is the space where I like to play. My name is Misha Z, and this is today's Bitch Slap. Join me as I shed light on the thoughts, actions, and attitudes that are causing you pain, and we train our minds to go to the capital S inner self, the joy that is waiting for us, the God within. All right, Laura B., welcome to the Bitch Slap podcast. You and I knew each other in the mid to late 90s in San Francisco, California, correct? Yes, we did. And then was I had was I dating Dawn at the oh time? I remember. I don't know if you remember this story, but I actually remember when you and Dawn, I remember when the like little Cupid's arrow hit the two, the, the magic happened. I was there. Yes. Were you? Do you there was a party. Yes. Tell me. <laughs> you remember it too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the moment <laughs> really clearly. It's funny how there's these things in our lives where like a thunderbolt kind of hits. Yes. And you know it's significant in the moment and in retrospect. Yes. We can't make these things happen. They just happen. And it's such a like a kind of a wonder and a wonderful thing, you know, obviously it's the same, you know, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so remember at the point out who, I think it was at, um, was it at Ed, Ed Heindel and Shane's apartment in San Francisco? It was at some apartment. There was a party. Yes. And there was a back room. Yes. And you and I were talking and you were lying on a bed and I was sitting on a chair and we were talking and Don walks in Dawn, Dawn was the most beautiful girl in the room, in the party, in the city, in the world. I mean, she was stunning, like movie star, gorgeous. Stunning, just beautiful, yes. Absolutely perfect. And whatever Dawn wanted, Dawn got. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it came to men. (laughs) And Dawn decided that you were it. And I remember she came in, she sat on your lap. I don't know if you remember this moment. I, do. I don't, I don't. Tell me, it's a, t- go on. I don't remember this moment. This I remember a different one, but I'm loving this. This is the dawn moment. So this is beautiful. Tell me. It dawned on you at this moment, right? Um, I don't know. Is this pe- So she, I remember she said, I just remember she sat on your lap. I, I was talking to you. I thought you were cute i was flirting i think i was flirting and she walks in saw that happening decided you were it you were going to be hers she was going to claim you (laughs) she sat on your lap and you couldn't you couldn't you you know don you had no power she just she just she could take all of the attention out of the room because she was that beautiful she was a goddess she She was is yes um she's still on this earth (laughs) <laughs> being a goddess <laughs> being a goddess yes she is um, God bless her. Yes. She, was, she was born with like this power because of her beauty was 
it's so it's such a, yeah it's a marvel yeah. so she walks in and she decides you're it i remember she sat off your lap and she looked straight at me and she's like mine <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, okay. And, right. she, and she and she wiggled around a little bit in a seductive way, and you were captured. I was done. You were done. I saw it. It happened right before my very eyes. How amazing is that? I know I was witness to her claiming you as her. Do you remember that party? I do. Well, I I don't I was I DJing that party or was I just hanging out at that party? Do you remember? I think you were just hanging out. Okay. I do not remember that party or that. Mo I mean, I remember, I don't remember that moment, which is beautiful. I think what's, I, I remember the time when I was instantly smitten by her, um, which was a, a different party, but I think it's fun to hear it from the time that she may have decided uh, I just how you said it that I was hers or whatever. It's fun to hear that. I, I don't remember that. So it's I think it, I think it was the same party. I really do. I don't remember if you're DJing or not because I was running all around. But if you remember a moment at a party, and I, I it could have well been the same moment. <laughs> I yeah. I think it's fun for the listeners to hear too just how beautiful Don was because and I say that from a non-egoic way, just from a way of, of she was really, really just a beautiful woman and, and how, how cool that is just a, a, a cool thing. I, I don't know. I just, I Oh know. yeah. There was nobody like her. In fact, I was talking to uh, one of my good girlfriends the other day and she, before you and Don got together, she had dated somebody else. And my friend had a crush on him and Don walked into the room and took his arm and then got, you know, she checked. It was, she kind of had a similar experience. <laughs> oh, Don. decided to claim somebody that you guys were helpless. <laughs> <laughs> she had that gift for sure. <laughs> God bless her. You know, um, Don and I are very good friends today. Obviously, we're divorced, um, but she still has she still has a, a a bit of that of that captivation for me for sure, um, which I I say with uh, with with love and profound respect and uh, and uh, you know obviously she's the mother of my boys who are our boys I should say Don and I's boys who are seventeen and nineteen and. Um, and uh, it's just, we have had quite a path, you know, in, in, uh, so I had a, after Don and I's divorce, I had an opportunity to really look at my side of things, sort of the dark side of our relationship, meaning where perhaps I wasn't the best husband, you know, or, you know, uh, not to say too much but, uh, you know, I got to make amends for that to her and clean up that process or that clean up that part and really just, you know, express, uh, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry for this part and of the, of the breaking down of our relationship. And, and, and that was a, she took it well and was very sweet. And then about six months ago, 
she did the same thing to me. And uh, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was quite a profound moment for me. And I'll two things. One, I listened, took it in, and just really embraced it. I didn't. A, a gift for me was that I two things. One, I didn't need to make it better or right or any or interject. I just you know let her embrace that moment and and then I didn't need to fix it I guess and I didn't need to try to make her feel better either about it I don't know if that makes sense or not but um, no it, it, it does I mean I I felt a lot of regret around my divorce too by the way I have to back up and I just have to because if Don listens to this Don I totally admired you she was she was a girl's girl too she was totally cool yeah 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 I, I this is all with love it's just it's fun to it's fun to I admired her because she had a lot a lot more experience with life than I did at the time yeah and what a character Don was too mm-hmm. you know just just all good I yeah thank you for saying that I'm sure she yeah. appreciated well, it know, you know that that's part of the story too is is how much I admired her as yeah. a yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, t- getting back to, I, I can totally relate to, um, you know, it's nice that you guys are still in communication because you could help heal that, you know, in my situation, you know, after the divorce, you, you know, he, he married somebody, he doesn't have the ability to, to communicate with me nor the desire, but, you know, I've had to do a lot of work forgiving myself for, for some of the ways that I behaved. Mm. You know, and, and honestly, the, the the thing I can do to, to help re- repair it is to let go of the remorse and be happy for him and let go of that, any kind of need to, to try to repair anything beyond what I can do by leaving him alone. Yeah. When were you married? Um, it was a while ago. <laughs> 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 it was it was it was um you know before I started working on myself and um you know we got divorced when I started doing some some of the um the wood shedding that we do and uh so yeah it's so it, five years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago <laughs> Um, a really long time ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a really, really long time ago. About the time that you knew me. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so were you, uh, were you married at the time that I knew you back then? Or were you no, no, no freshly was... divorced or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So perhaps sort of a, God shot or bitch slap moment for you was the sort of the splintering of that relationship. It helped you. So although obviously painful, it was a catalyst for positive change in your life or. Well, um, you know, not really. So uh, it was a bitch slap for me. Let me, let me think about this for a second. Um. Afterwards, I left him thinking, you know, I was just so 
caught in this idea of being separate from other, like nobody understanding me, that I blamed him for that too. I couldn't, I couldn't see that I was loved, that I was being loved. Mm. And so the moment came later after it was all over years later, when I started doing the work on myself and saw how I was relating to the world, then I had the bitch slap realization that it was my perspective that was all wrong. What, what I thought was reality was nothing more than projected fear mm-hmm. of being close. Because what I realized is that when we were married, we were together just long enough for him to start to get really, you know, it takes a few years. It takes several years before, you, you know, you, you get into that place where two people merge in a marriage. Mm-hmm. More completely. And he was touching that place and I had to destroy it and leave. Mm. and i never realized that that was that was my fear and my um inability like i i really didn't know what what it was to to totally love somebody and be vulnerable you know loving somebody requires vulnerability yes like to an extent that i think is hard for a lot of us i'll speak for me (laughs) i'm still working on it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know it's a work in progress. So yeah, so that was probably the first Zen bitch slap. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you. So d- did you ever have a moment to, or have you ever found a moment or thought there should be a moment where you reconnected and expressed that to him or was it better <clears throat> served letting bygones be bygones? I think there's a delicate balance there sometimes. Yeah, I did. I well, I expressed to him all my gratitude and my. Um, I feel like he really saved my life. Mm-hmm. I feel like our relationship with was karmically uh, organized. You know, when I when I met him, I felt like I had known him before. Mm-hmm. So it was very powerful, and he created. He really created a place for me to, um, like we say, hit bottom and and um, helped me find the help that I needed. I just wasn't well enough to, well, here, I'm gonna backtrack. I don't think we were really meant to be together forever. Mm. I think that, you know, not every relationship is meant to be till death do us part. Yeah. So he came into my life and helped, helped really save me. And mm. then, um, so we went our own ways and he happily married somebody. They've got several kids. They've been together for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's happy. So at a certain point, I, I expressed my gratitude to him. And, and d- That's nice. And did you feel like it was healing for you or healing for him or? Um, it was healing for me. He requested that I don't contact him again because she didn't want me to have any part in his life, his new wife. Yeah. His new wife was actually a friend of his who knew me um, and actually did not come to our wedding. She Mm. was one of the only friends who didn't come to our wedding. So then when we get divorced, they got, they got married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're still sorting through that one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and you know, I have my feelings about her, but you know what? I have to respect the situation. That's how I make it up to him as I respect his. And I just, I'm grateful for who he was. And I, and I, 
like I said, I have to let go of the remorse that I that I messed something up, that I that I'm missing something because all of that is me thinking I know how things are supposed supposed to be. Yeah, it's that yes, and in, a, in that illusion of things would be different or things would be better or if this, I'd feel yeah. this way now, which yeah. is yeah, which is so clearly an illusion. Um, well my memories of the time of when we knew each other and Don rolled in and swept <laughs> me off my feet, <laughs> which was a whole, uh, the dominoes to get to that point are great. That's a great, great story, but we'll save it for another day. Um, which obviously culminated her with her jumping on my lap. Um, anyhow, um, I, that time was so poignant for me as well, because it was the NASDAQ bubble and we were in the heart of it, right? Like we were in San Francisco. We were in the heart of the dot-com bubble of the 2000 era. And I remember for me the way, the way, well, so this is how I remember you. And I had told you this when we recommunicated two or three weeks ago, um, when we, you know, we fell back into communication, um, was that uh, how I remembered you was was sort of at Red Hat doing amazingly well, stock options, buying a house. And I was like, oh my God, how does that even happen? And then this is where I was in that space. I was working for, this is how I remember that time. I was working as a commodities broker, a retail commodities broker. And so I was just making, what that means is I was, it was boiler room type stuff where I was making literally hundreds of hand dialed cold calls a day, you know, soliciting customers. And, and it was brutal at the time. It was brutal. So I was making hundreds of calls a day. I was not making any money. And I was put, yep, I was putting in long hours. And then as I was looking around me, I was seeing people that were literally baristas one day, right? They were working at Starbucks or whatever coffee shop one day, pouring coffee. And the next day, overnight, like people that we knew were becoming VP of sales, you know worldwide sales president or whatever, all these lofty titles and the money was flowing around. And, and I just remember I was, I just remember that time. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. I mean, there were a ton of little startups popping all over the place, like, like popcorn in a, you know, heated bowl or heated a skillet. And it was, it was the bubble though. It was the, there was tons of money flowing in and, and uh, lots of jobs. And, and then it burst, it burst. I ended up at Kinko's. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I worked at Red Hat. We got, uh, Red Hat was a huge IPO. It was one of the biggest IPOs of that, that decade. And um, yeah, I was lucky to, to get, you know, the inside stock options and, boomed and then it started to implode and I was one of the first layoffs. and I my stock because I was no longer an insider I could get rid of it before it hit the ground and got enough to get, get the down payment on the house um, which is so funny looking back at how much that house cost and how much real estate 
went up since. Like I thought it was expensive when the house was like a little over 200,000. Yes. <laughs> What's that house now? 2 million probably? Like, huh? I was that oh, house now. Yeah. 2 million. Yeah. Probably, perhaps. No, no. That house is probably worth maybe five or 600,000, which is a lot compared. Yeah. Heck yeah. So, that's doubling or tripling. That's, that's insane. <laughs> Did you, um, and so coming out of that time, so you have success at Red Hat, you get a, some stock options, you get a jump yeah. in the real estate market. And yeah. then if I remember correctly from our most recent conversation a few weeks ago, uh, all that went away, sort of all the, all, the, all the shiny objects from the dot-com bubble evaporated, yes? Oh, yeah. Well, we called it the dot-com, the dot-bomb. So from the dot-com boom to the bomb, the dot bomb. And yeah. uh, yes, yeah, so now all of a sudden I have this mortgage and, and I, and I got laid off, sell the stock, got the house, did some remodel, put all my money into it. I've got no money left. Um, I've got this mortgage and there's no jobs, mm-hmm. no jobs. Everything collapsed. Everything just, so and there the only was place no... I could get a job was Kinko's. Yeah. I mean, there was literally no jobs. I couldn't get a job anywhere doing anything when I got, you know, my final pink slip from whatever. There were no uh, jobs. It was crazy. It went from being, I'll, you could I'll come out of a coma. Huh? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say at the time when there was plenty of, before the bubble popped, you could literally have come out of a coma. Sorry for anybody that's coming out of a coma, but you literally could have come <laughs> out of a two or three year coma and got a, got it. and gotten a job. Yeah. Yeah. And it turned over. Got like a really job, an exciting job at an upstarting you know, yeah, startup. Yeah, exactly. Um, and overnight yeah. it evaporated. It evaporated. And so I'll tell you a sad story because, you know, here I am now working at Kinko's. I'm not making enough pay for my mortgage, but at least I have a job. And um, and I was willing to do anything to survive because I've been, I've been on my own since I was 17 and I've done anything. You know, I've, I've worked at Winchell's Donuts and, you know, been on the phone doing you know, boiler room sales calls, all that stuff. I've done that too. So anyhow, um, people were coming into Kinko's faxing off their resumes desperate people like VPs of software sales, <laughs> like you're talking about. And I'm cleaning out the copy machines and I find somebody had left behind a document that they were copying and it was a death certificate. It was a suicide. It was a software person, an executive I'm, I'm assuming, who um, had committed suicide in, in a hotel nearby in Marin. I was working Salido. So yeah, it was a really desperate time. And this is 2001, right? 2000, 2001 when the when the yeah. all collapsed, yeah. And so tell me what's the what are you thinking at this point? So you obviously are divorced and so maybe the divorce is 2 or 3 years old at this point or 4 years, something like that. You've you've had a tremendous shift in your life, found new community. It's a community that Don and I were part of all that, you know, where we're kicking bad habits and all that sort of stuff and and so at this point, are you thinking, I just can't win? Or are you like, oh, what's next? I'm so excited for life. What's your, what's your mindset? I'm in survival mode. Um, and you know, it's really interesting, Misha. So when all of this quote unquote good stuff was going on and I got the stock options and got a house, um, 
it was it was really scary for it was it, actually I wanted to to um, run away more than ever because it wasn't a life I was used to having. Mm. You know, I, I was so used to living in survival mode because I was on my own when I was seventeen. My you know, I, I graduated high school early because I wanted to grow up fast. And my, my mom had married a fellow who didn't want me around and they had taken off. And um, my dad was married somewhere else. And um, so I was on my own. So I had been in survival mode for a long time. So when all this good stuff happened, it was, it was disorientating for me, to say the least. How old are um, you, if you don't mind so me when, asking? Huh? At that time, at that time, how are approximate age just to, so people listening can get, you know, you go from 17 years old, effectively, uh, you know, disowning the family or the family disowns you or however you want to say it, you know, where it's like, hey, I, I, it's time for me to take care of myself and you're, you're off on your own to, okay, now sort of riches are coming your way or the good stuff or the things that oftentimes we may think that are going to make us happy. Oh, yeah. And that's a really good point right there that I want to um, talk about, because I did get all those things that you think are going to make you happy, right? The car, the house, um, all of that stuff. And yeah, it's just stuff. Actually, I I say everybody should get a million dollars so they can realize that that's not where it's at. Right? Right? Yes. Um, I am in agreement. I, I was in my 30s. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. So, so yeah. So when everything fell apart and I had to survive, that was normal. That was, a, that was easy for me to deal with because I can, I can operate very well in survival mode. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And so are you, as you're dropping into survival mode, are you, do you remember your state of mind? Are you happy? Are you thinking, what do you th- like at the time? I guess, are you aware of the shakeup that's happening and, and just in the world or let's say the United States or <laughs> we could narrow it down to San Francisco? Obviously you are because you've just seen a death certificate, but I guess more of, is it is it a poignant moment for you outside of, I, what what's, am, I'm sort of, babbling but does that make sense what i'm asking you are you Um, you know at that time i think i was just grateful that i had a job Mm. Uh, but i was desperate to get out of there to be honest i was i was hired as a manager and i i'm not a very good manager (laughs) good self-awareness okay continue so you're you're a you're a manager at kinko's I'm a manager at Kinko's and, I, and they should have promoted from within. So all the employees are resentful that I'm there. Um, I have one employee who's flirting with me and I'm thinking there's some sort of romantic potential. And then he like starts saying I'm sexually harassing him. <laughs> um, I'm getting paper cuts every day. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty miserable. So people kept <laughs> asking, trying to find another job. <laughs> as people were coming in to get their orders filled. Um, and it eventually worked. I, I found a, a, another job with a, with a company around the corner there. Actually, I found two, I had to like a couple jobs later, I ended up working for a fellow who was involved in internet marketing and he trained me 
to do what I did for like the next several years, which, which is, is now what I'm kind of doing. I'm semi-retired to be honest, but um, yeah, I got trained to, I hit the other wave, which was the whole data, internet data marketing wave yeah. that happened um, around, well, I started in 2002. Um, I started my own business. I took a leap of faith mm -hmm. and um yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Kinko's thing, and then I got this other crappy job, and then I wasn't making money, and then I was just, so a friend of mine said, just try it, just try it. So, yeah, I started my own business. So, so, so the crappy job is working for this guy who's teaching you a lot. When you say crappy, meaning that <laughs> you were probably overworked and underpaid in the moment, that's what it felt like. Well, he gave me a draw against commission and oh. his quality of his stuff. I, I made zero commissions and then he took away my draw. So I, <laughs> my choice was either I work for him for free or I try to do this on my own. Okay. <laughs> that Sorry. was a zen bitch slap moment. <laughs> what, as you go to, as you looking back on it, hindsight, as you are walking out the door to start your own thing, what is, what's the, what's the top thing you learned from this guy or what, what, what did he effectively, anything was he, was yeah, he like the catalyst? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Tell me. Well, it's really interesting. Yeah. So he taught me the industry, the, um, the basically how to uh, manage relationships between advertisers who wanted traffic on the web and, and vendors who could produce it. So he taught me the whole industry. I got to tell you a couple of weeks later, he sent me a cease and desist his lawyer, um, he was mad that I was going to start my own business. Um, and I pro I made a, you know, verbal promise. I wasn't going to impact his business at all, that I would respect, you know, his clients and his, his sources. And when I saw him at a trade show about a less than a year later, um, I went up to him and I thanked him for teaching me how mm. to the industry. And I, and I, again, reiterated my promise that I wouldn't cause him any harm at all. And then you lose the house somewhere in this madness. No, I didn't lose the house. Oh. I kept the house. I went, I sunk into debt. So I took a risk. I started this business, didn't make any money for a while, lived off my credit cards. And then um, it hit hard. I, um, it's interesting. I decided to, I got a, a Nolo press as a do it yourself legal uh, manual. It's They do a lot of different publications and I got a, how to start a, a California corporation book. And so uh, I created a corporation and within a couple of months of telling the universe, I am this, I got a stroke of luck and the New York times was doing an article on um, it was how internet uh, can create a fad, how internet marketing can create a fad. And at the time they were focused on the Iraqi most wanted playing cards. I don't know if you remember those. They were like really popular. And so I had a vendor who was marketing them. We were doing quite well with those. And so the producer of those cards referred the New York Times to me. They interviewed me and my business got into the New York Times business section like three months after I created a corporation. So it was like I was telling the universe, you know, I'm getting serious. And the universe got back and got serious with me. It was really, it was really crazy. It was not mm. crazy. It was really fortunate. Mm. <laughs> it was very fortunate. So things boomed after that. Um, just all the pieces, my luck, you know, just, you know, the, the, I would show up not quite knowing what I was doing. I would sit down in my office chair and I would just start, you know, turning the wheels, you know, you know, pulling the levers, making the phone calls, <laughs> you know, typing the emails. Yeah. And 
just showed up every day. And I remember like the first several years, I thought the whole thing was going to fall apart every day. I'm like, this is going to fall apart any moment, but it didn't. And it kept growing and kept growing and kept growing and got pretty successful. It's beautiful. And so you start having some financial success. You sold that business and started another, or what's the, what's the arc of that? So I, I, and I, I, if I, I'll let you answer the question. <laughs> so this is funny because the, top, the topic is Zen bitch slap. And so I just want to share that after about eight or nine years, I got really tired of what I was dealing with. You know, the internet was still full of a lot of sh shady characters mm. doing, you know, bad marketing. And I would, I built my business around ethics and, you know, I had a, a mission statement um, about, you know, synergetically, we all benefit. I wanted to create a different kind of business paradigm where it was transparent. It wasn't based on, you know, competition where, you know, we could all work together, make a little money and, you know, benefit as a group, right? You know, all, all these internet marketers. So I, I wanted to do my business differently. I also wanted to be honest. And so when I kept catching these people trying to rip me off left, right, and center, and I would catch them, I'd pick up the phone and I would check the quality of their work and I would, anyhow. So I was just getting burnt. And, um, and I would say, God, universe, get me out of this, please. Mm. I mean, the money was good and it's hard to stop on your own, <laughs> but I would like pray that it would just fall apart so I could stop. Mm. And then it would double. <laughs> and I'd be like, darn it. I, you know, like the bitch slap was like, you have to do, like, I felt like I was, like it was beyond my control and I was given a gift and I had to like show up for it. Mm. Um, so I was just like, damn it. So I'd do it another year. You know, please God, get me out of this. <laughs> so the, 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 the the sort of the the moment of clarity or the bitch slap was to was through that is that hey I've been given a gift I should I should savor this and continue with it or is that what I heard you say? Isn't really the right word. I felt like I was being set up, like um, like just I'd like I'd be I I just have to be of service. I just have mm. to keep doing it because there's a bigger plan obviously. I mean, I would lose a client and within a day, somebody would call me out of left field and take that place and increase my business. Mm. So it was growing without any effort. It sounds horrible. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, um, and, and, and I didn't want to do it, but I felt like I was being set up. Like there was like, I really, I realized through all of that, that any money, any any idea that I owned anything is a, is a, an illusion because all of the, I'm just a, I'm just a conduit. This is all rented. You know, this mm. life is rented. You know, I don't, none of this is mine mm. because I didn't want any of it. And it kept coming. So it was like, okay, this is showing me that none of this really matters. It's not mm. up to me. Mm. I love that. I think that's, that's a great lesson to learn that none of it really matters because it's, it's so true. I have had the same sort of experience, but I want to, I want to touch on the, you're feeling like you were being set up. So meaning that, that almost like here's all these shiny objects for you as a, as a, as a, I don't want to say a test, but as like, 
here's the shiny objects to try and get you out of center or something like that. Or when you say you're being set up, set up for a fall or yeah, set, up for... set up for. Yeah, that's not the kind of setup. It was almost like I was being set up to be like, um, not set up to be tested, but set up to be liberated mm. for some other purpose. Mm. So that the financial part wouldn't be such a big deal for me. And I still, I'm not quite sure what that is, but it was so obvious that I couldn't kill this thing, like that I didn't have a choice around it. That- <laughs> so you're trying to self-destruct it, but it is not happening and it's just growing. Yes. That's, that's, that's amazing. It's, 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 and as this is happening, your mom gets sick in there. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah and I remember she said something to me. It's funny. I, I she, there were some pearls of wisdom before she dropped it. And one of, one of the things she, I, I remember I was at her house. So when, when she was given the, the last like three to six months to live, I got a little extended stay place near, nearby her house, which is in Roseville. And I live in the San Francisco Bay area. So I was, you know, cause I wanted to be as close to her as possible in that, those last months. So I was at her place one night and I, I said, yeah, mom, I'm just, I'm just saving up all my chestnuts trying to figure out what the next right thing is. And she said, honey, when are you going to have enough chestnuts? Mm. And I was like, oh, that's a good question. Um, but it, it just kind of, that I guess mean, like kind of a non sequitur, but. It's beautiful. Yeah. She said a bunch of great things. She was, <laughs> this is a funny story. So she was not a very spiritual, deep person. And that was actually one of our conflicts is I always wanted to get deep and be spiritual. And she was very, she, that was, she was afraid to go there, but she was having those moments as she was starting to leave. And one time she was sleeping, I was lying next to her and I would like, just look at her little womb and, and thank it for giving me my body and my life. And I would do that a lot. And I was doing that one day and and uh, she woke up out of a dead sleep and she looks at me and she's like, you've got a wall around you. You got to let people in. Went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. That's a Zen bitch slap. <laughs> that is a massive one right there. <laughs> Holy mackerel. That's beautiful. And so do you hear it at that moment? Or are you like, I go back to bed. (laughs) I had no idea what she was talking about, but I remembered it. And it's funny because all these years later, I'm doing work with a new mentor and I just uncovered something that is, is, is really the gem that was, she was trying to give me back then. I know the, I've now set it in a beautiful piece of jewelry that I'm wearing. (laughs) That's all a metaphor, guys. I have no jewelry on, but. Right. Thank you for clarifying that. But I, yeah, I was like, I think that's a metaphor, but thank you for, <laughs> thank you for clarifying. No, um, I understand now exactly what she's talking about. I've traced it into my soul. I figure it, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, it's cool that she said that. Yeah. What other sort of nuggets do you remember from that time? Well, here's a good one. So, um, you know, the, the, the last couple of weeks she had each of her children come into her bedroom. She's um, the mother of five. I'm the youngest of five. And she wanted to spend a couple moments with each of us. 
And um, when it was my turn, I, I went in there and, and uh, I asked her, you know, hey, mom, so now you're, you're at the end. What's the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. And She was, she was a very, um, she was very beautiful. She was kind of, you know, very, very kind of neurotic about her looks. Now her body's like, you know, faded. And, and she was always very, um, very kind of, you know, worried about a lot of stuff in her life. And uh, she looks at me and she says, eh, don't take it so seriously. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I carry that with me a lot. Oh my God. It's so good. Yeah. It's lovely. Mm. Oh, then she said, I usually don't tell people this part. And then she points to her head and she says, and don't get her, don't ever get old. Always stay young. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's really nice to talk about her again. Thanks, Misha. You're welcome. I love the thought of, um, you know, re-looking, re-seeing the world through a child's eyes. Yeah. Or, or the, or the, the moment before the cynicism kicks in or whatever, or whatever the pain is or whatever that, that seeing the beauty, right. There's, I seeing that seeing the seeing everything with wonder is so so juicy. Yeah, yeah, and that um, there's always a choice, right? We could we if we can imagine the worst, we can imagine the best. Yeah, I came across this thought, and tell me what you think about it. And it was this little prayer. I, I read this line, and so I turned it into a prayer. And basically, the prayer is. God, let everyone I meet today be seen with present eyes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And the idea, right, is that we bring this old baggage and we look at somebody, if we're looking at them through the old eyes, we don't see them as they are in the moment, right? And how how many people, places, and things do I look at and not seeing them as they are in the moment because I'm looking at them through, you know, this, these old glasses or however you want to say it. Yeah. How much of life we miss because we're not present. I mean, being present, it takes a lot of conscious effort. It does. Right. It takes some work when you're as selfish as we are, it takes some work. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what, that's what meditation is all about. Right. Coming back to the moment and and just noticing when you're going away is the first step to going back. Yeah. Yeah. God, let everyone I meet today be seen with present eyes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, So your business, your business, you sold it or how did you exit out of the business? Yeah, I didn't. So, so we needed some, functionality for um we need some internal functionality for compliance and we had a choice because we were on a platform that didn't have it built in and so we had a choice to use a third-party vendor and pay them to provide it but i had my 
who's now my partner, but he was my, uh, like a CTO at the time when I could afford to have employees. <laughs> um, I, I asked him, I said, can you build a little software widget for us to do this functionality ourselves instead of paying, like, I think at the time it was like a thousand dollars a month, this company wanted to provide the service. Mm. And he said, sure, you know, so he built a little widget. It took him about a month. He built something really basic. But then I looked at that widget and I thought of the business model of a, of a license-based business where you, where, where you get paid monthly, like you know Comcast, AT&T, mm. uh, versus what I had been doing for so many years, which was you know, hustling for margin, you know, buy a little lower, sell a little higher, and take a mm. teeny little margin, which is a daily hustle. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thought, you know what, golly, maybe we should take this little widget and turn it into a software company and compete with those providers that I didn't want to pay. Um, be another offering on the market because there really weren't a lot of other companies doing doing that service okay so we just yeah pedal to them and then it was a creative thing for me too because um i got to design the product i went to art school you know so i got mm. to design how it looked and how it worked and how you know the, the product design itself and he did the the programming and to, to, together we built this this little software platform and are you effectively just walking away from the old business at this time? I'm using the old. So I, yes, but the old business is still generating income. So I'm using that revenue to fund the development. So I bootst what they say, bootstrapped. Yep. Um, yeah. So I bootstrapped the software company by using the, the capital resources that were still left in the old company and the cash flow that was coming in. I didn't take a salary. I kept paying um, my employee slash developer he kept getting a salary and then at a certain point the old company you know hit the dust the software company <laughs> so <started>. I just <laughs> finally finally <laughs> hey let me ask you a question what year what year is what uh, what year approximately are you does the old one hit the dust and the new one that the is new so widget is coming I never thought of it, but I, yeah, I finally killed it. I killed it because I burned everything <laughs> out of it. Yep. Um, that was in 2012. Okay, 2012. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then we started to acquire customers immediately because a lot of them were my colleagues in the industry because they needed the functionality like I did. Um, so we were not making enough money for a while. I just, I told my CTO after, you know, the other one, the other company hit the dust. I said, listen, I'll just give you 50% of the company and we can split the profits 50-50. You handle the technical stuff. I'll do all the business stuff. He's like, okay. And so <laughs> that's, that's so what beautiful. we do. Okay. That's, that's what we do now. So I have this little software company and uh, yeah, we've got, you know, dozens of clients and we're, uh, you know, I'm not really doing much to be <laughs> So I love, so I think, I think an interesting thing and, and, and I think, you know, this is, I think of an interesting thing and I've experienced it in my life. It's like when I, the drive for money has served me well at different points, right? Like it helped me to the outside world, be productive, to achieve certain things, to, um, it gave me meaning, right? And then at some point when the drive for money 
isn't the ticket anymore or isn't providing me the drive. And that could be for various reasons. That could be because I've achieved certain financial goals. And so wait a minute, now what do I do if I don't feel like ratcheting up the financial goals? Or it could be other shocks to the system, parents die, divorces. There's all these things where you go, wait, money's not the answer. And how perhaps for you, it was gradual. It was sounds like it was might've been a slow burn. Um, for me, there were clear, I could tell you days that things happened where I was like, oh, I'm fucked because <laughs> money's yeah. not the answer. <laughs> right. And for so long I thought it was and would be, and, and, and it could have been subtle or it could have been I, the, the idea that money was the answer could have been subtle subversive or it could have been very outwardly apparent um so speak to that which well, you have already a little actually but go ahead i mean the thing about money i mean it's 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 an issue for people who don't have it yes. right yes um that's where i felt like i was being set up because you know i was being put in a position where it wasn't going to be an issue for me yes. and and so, but it's a, it's an issue to a lot of people. So like, um, you know, I, you know, I, it's easy for me to say it's not an issue, but I remember, I remember, you know, living in a cockroach infested apartment south of market, barely able to pay my $400 a month rent. So, you know, making minimum wage. And so I understand I, I, yeah, I mean, I have to get, well, I think, so I think, no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just interject just for a second. I mean, I, I've done my share of living, like I literally lived in a garage in someone's garage in the San Francisco Bay area yeah. at one point when I lived there, you yeah. know, and it was not yeah. like a, yeah. what's that? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't a shiny garage that had been remodeled. They like, they moved paint cans and uh, put sand over the oil spot and it flipped up a couple of uh, sawhorses <laughs> so I could put a four by eight piece of plywood over it, you know, for my bed. Yeah. Um, but God I think, uh -huh. thank God you had shelter. So, yeah. uh, so what was the, so, so I, you know, what, so, what, well, so, what, so I think, I think I, I have a new respect for, I had this idea. I used to have contempt for, I'll just, I guess I'll frame it this way. And I have, you know, and this could just be, I mean, it's easy to look at me and go 52 years old, white, six, two blonde haired, blue eyes. Um, what are you talking about? This is, and this is privileged white guy commentary, right? Uh -huh. so I get that viewpoint. And so, so somebody, anybody listening is going to need to be able to look past that and go, all right, I understand that, that the magnifying glass of the perceived problems in the world are perhaps guys that on the outside look like me. All right. And I, I'd say that I'm not trying to be a victim by any means. I'm just asking the people listening to go, all right, instead of saying, well, how could you possibly know because you're this well it's not, it's not your fault misha i mean the problem is that our society isn't fair i mean i am very aware of being fortunate 
Okay. Yeah. I, I am a white person too, that happened to be able to walk into places. And I had the, the guts to, to ask for positions and got them. And I was in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, the, the problem is, so, so I, I, and this is not meant to sound like I'm a saint or anything, but I, yeah. I do like to, I like to give, I like to give to causes that I believe in. Right. And yeah. I feel like it's, it's an obligation when you're, you know, to, because I've received, you know, it's important to give away. And, and I look at people like Jeff Bezos, who, who could solve some of the biggest ills that we have in our culture. And he's still exploiting his workers that when money becomes this false idea of power, we got a problem here, folks. Yeah. And um, that's the, that's the problem is, is, is how it's, how the power is, perceived and distributed in our society amongst the people and who's given opportunity and who's not, you know, um, I fought for Bernie Sanders. I, I love him. I think he really does care about the people yeah. um, and he's aware of the, of the social issues. So that's the issue. That's the problem with money is when it, it actually becomes this hugely valued thing. And it is valued because you have to buy food. Yeah. You need food you know, like the homeless issue, right? Yeah. I, I want to bring this up. Sorry to interrupt you. We no, go, go, go. Well, like the solution is to give them homes, but because we're all struggling for the almighty dollar, nobody wants to give them a home because like, did they work for it? Do they deserve it? Right. This idea of deservingness. But the fact is, is that there's plenty to go around. We just have a society that that tells tells you who should get it and who shouldn't and how it's how it's given or and that values the biggest pile right like yes yeah and i will say too just to, it's clear that i was i for whatever reason lottery of life was born in a time where my circumstances gave me an absolute leg up and still do today so i am not going to downplay that at all right like even with shifts in perception and all this i in the current environment in the united states of america misha perhaps has a leg up due to complete lottery of life circumstances well and it's great that you realize that because i mean i walk around not realizing that um i don't have to face some of the obstacles that other people face you know like it's like a fish in water sometimes you don't see that you're in water um, yeah, you know, and we're I, not aware of our privilege. Huh? Yeah, I, I think I think what is interesting to think about is the idea that one set of circumstances is better or worse than the others. That one experience, set of experience of life experiences, is better or worse than the others. And these are the things that I think about because it's it's easy to go well, you know, the idea that the Jeff Bezos experience is is the one to shoot for in life because that's that's the valuable experience to have versus the experience of you know i mean yeah i mean he's still a man who has to get up he still has to feed his body and exercise and all that but it's the it's the system that allows him to hoard so much wealth that's the problem yeah you know, he was an entrepreneur. He created a great business model. Happened to be successful. He's, a, you know, this. But he's still a man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I'm even not even really talking about like 
like whether he's doing good or bad or or somebody who's you know working in the you know in the government system as a parole officer being underappreciated or a teacher or whatever i just the idea that one set of experiences is better than the other right yeah. so i think if you're broke as heck you can look at the person so for example i i i used to have this perception that that perhaps I had contempt for somebody that was financially well off and seemed to be mentally distressed. Right. Because I was like, Oh, what, how the nerve to be, how dare they? Yeah. yeah. How dare they? Right. But I have new compassion for like mental distress is mental distress. You can add money to it and that might actually just increase the mental distress. Right. Or, you know, trauma's trauma. It's, it's, uh, these are, interesting points. And, and so perhaps like I will say for you, and I, I'm not saying you're in this position, but I know people are in this position where perhaps the financial motivate finances aren't motivating them. Right. Yeah, it doesn't motivate me at all, but right. So that can be a hard place to be. If you, if you, if you have the idea that you, what's that? If you need to survive. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I guess my point is if you are financially set and now finances aren't the motivation for you, but you have no other motivation and you're just hanging out there and you have no <laughs> connection to self, that could that can be a horrible place to be. Right? I, you know what, Misha? It's funny. It, that is really embarrassing to say, but yeah, that can be a challenge because at least when I was tied to like having to be somewhere at a certain time and, and, um, yeah, it gave me it gave me purpose and it gave me consistency. So now I have to generate that myself. Right. And that is a and if you it can be a scary place to be. And where do we find that? Right. So that's a place that I've been in. And that was a absolute bitch slap moment for me when all of a sudden financial goals that I was trying to achieve came to me and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm godless in effect, because I'll just lay it out right now. And I'll say it like this, the idea of success and money were my God, <laughs> right? And so when that, you find out that that <laughs> isn't sufficient. <laughs> Getting back to why I think everybody needs a million dollars so you can yes. get what the real... Where yeah. reality where love is right What's yeah like, where love is where's love where's yeah love so some of the best and worst things that have happened to me right and it, it one it was like oh my god i'm in in our you know i had this moment fairly recently within the last year where i was like i no longer need to live up to my potential right so being born in the, this time in this place as I have been born could feel like a blessing or a curse, right? It, the curse side of it is, oh my God, I'm underutilizing what God has given me to thrive in the capitalist United States of America, right? And, and if you want to buy into that, and I'm not saying good or bad, I'm not placing judgment on any of it. It's just more of, at some point I was like, wait a minute, like what if I didn't have to achieve 
as I thought I've had to achieve? What if I didn't have to uh, produce? Yeah, underutilize or overutilize. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It's it's an, I thank you for indulging me in this this part of the conversation because I, I think it's a fun conversation to to have. Yeah. yeah, of like, what's it all about? Like, where are we supposed to put our time and our in our attention? You know, um, but I want to circle back to something that you said, which was really interesting. That what if you didn't see something as being good or bad, or yeah, one viewpoint as being better, one way, one way of being as being better than the other way of being? Because I had this, um, you know, being that I was so politically motivated around the election um, and before the election when the fires hit here and the smoke was this the air was so hard to breathe I, in northern california I, I took off and i drove around southern oregon and nevada where there's a lot of trump support and i really wanted to understand these people mm-hmm. and I realized that they were they were very certain about their view. They were as certain about their views as I was certain about my views. We didn't fight because there's no way you can get people to open up to you if, if they think you're the opposition. And Trump was very good at dividing people, you know, yeah. us and them. I wanted to bridge that. I wanted to understand. And I realized they were just they were just people very certain about their thoughts, as certain as I was. They were just different thoughts, different. They, they believed something completely different yeah. than I did. Uh, but the attachment and the certainty was the same. Yes. And I will go back to the, I'm going to blend in that thought, the idea that to me, so to me, politics are not, so I'm trying to get my God so big that, uh-huh. I, lo- that I love everybody's path. Path, right? Biden's path. Like that's the goal. That's the dream. Right. And so I'm in the space now too, where it's like, I think like this, his, the historic Misha would be, this is my thought process. This should be everybody's thought process. Right. And so, or someone's like, well, I'm all into politics. You should be in the politics. And I'm like, well, why is it upsetting that it doesn't that I don't care, right? Like, is it enough that Misha's trying to think along a different spiritual track? And that's what I bring to the world. And perhaps yeah. Yeah, the Trumper brings their Trumperness to the world or the Biden brings their Bidenness to the world, right? And yeah, well, my, my teacher, my, my teacher, Vinnie Farrar, he says, you know, the three, the three concepts of reality, nothing's perfect. And nothing's personal and nothing's permanent. Yeah. I love that. And and I will say too, right? Like if I think this is one of my favorite thought tracks these days. And it's it's you know, there's that there's that great book that you and I are familiar with, right? Uh and, and a line in it says we think if as long as we think that human thinking our thinking so our thinking implies human thinking you and me are human so if you and i think our thinking is the be all end all of the universe 
well, we're going to have problems. It's, it's rather vain of us, right? Like as long, yeah, as long as I think that human existence, that human thinking is the most important thing in this insanely uncomprehendable universe, I am going to have problems. You know, it's funny. I, I, I always say I like being wrong because I, I, I welcome the opportunity to learn a different perspective. I love being wrong. And I think that's what my mom might have been talking about when she said, and always stay young in your head. Yeah. Always be open. Yeah. Yeah, look with wondrous eyes. Look with questioning as a beautiful thing, right? Like wonder, like, oh, what if it was that way? Or what if it was that way? That's the best we can do, Misha, with our limited human brains. <laughs> right? I love that. I think too, you know, I was thinking today as I'd done some meditation and then I was walking, there's this idea that we have as humans or that, or that I see that's like at this point in our society, it's like, well, you know, or it's the idea that long life equals good life, right? Or like, we've got it so dialed in. It's like, well, you should be 80 ish or 90 ish when you die, your mental faculties should be perfect and you shouldn't die of cancer or anything like that. Your body should just give out on its own and you should be like in your bed and you know, all these, it's like, we're trying to live up to this insane uh, <laughs> picture that's only achievable by the luck of the draw for like, 0.01% of the world or something like that, which is this, this illusory state, right? I, I think, I don't know. It's a funny thought. I'm, now we <laughs> better be careful, but go ahead and speak to that funny. if you want. Well, I mean, it's funny because, you know, you're t going back to what you were saying about being human and having limitations, I think, you know, com comprehending, what should be is uh, almost impossible from this limited yeah. human way yeah. of being because you just, life is magical. You, I mean, you really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I love that. I, I think so. And clearly a lot of what we're talking about is being in the moment and being I, grateful for what is. Yeah. And just trying to help as much as we can. Yeah. Trying to help as much as we can. And I'm in that space right now of, of really trying to be serve of service and in new ways. Like, I think I've had this myopic I ideal of service or idea of service. I don't want to say ideal, but where now I'm really trying to be tap in to, you know, the capital S self, you know, the God within like, all right, let's go yeah. within and let's like, how can Misha you know, best be of service over and above the, podcast. what's that? You're doing this podcast, right? It's kind of manifested out of that actually, which is super cool. And, you know, and then we'll wrap it up here, but I, it was very hard for me to go from being perceived successful mortgage banker, broker to stay at home dad. And that was a heavy leap to make, right? Because the universe or God or the capital S self was making it very clear that, that 
the mortgage business was so psychically painful for me. Uh-huh. And it was, I was in the space of what's next. I need to know what's next. And what was clear was that I needed to go commit to, to my kids, right. To my boys and to, and I did all this work, this, it, this, you know, writing and soul searching and mentorship and this stuff. And it was so clear that like, that's what was bringing me joy to my soul or spirit or, you know, call it what you want. But my ego was so like, but my ego wants to be, wants worldly satisfactions to look like this. And, and, and to finally be like, fine, I relent. I capitulate. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I just thank you for no, listening to that. But great, no, but this is a great discussion around identity and yeah, like, yeah. Um, who are we in the world? And so you had the mortgage broker label on you, but it wasn't bringing you happiness. And so, you know, to, to be the father of your children, which brought you happiness, it just, it, it was such a, a shift in who you were. Yeah. That yeah. would cause a psychic, a little bit of a psychic rupture. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then throw in a lot of other sort of traumatic life experience, right. That's to some extent coming for us all or already has Zen bitch slap. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) I like the idea and we can end it on this thought. I'd like the idea of, of, you know, I can't see what's past death or that transition or that shift in, 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 in uh, the way I relate to the world until I, stare it squarely in the face and embrace it. And then I can get a glimpse of what's on the other side. And I love that idea. So that's an idea that I play with and I try and lean into the, to the, uh, to the death aspect, which I loved what you brought up when we first started talking. And it's a fun place to play. I think where before I, you would never have caught me here. Um, so any final thoughts in that regard, or I didn't mean to hijack the the thought at the end. No, you're great. Um, no, I really, I, I mean, I totally appreciate you wanting to take time to talk to me. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I thought this was, you know, sort of to end the thought loop of what I started where, you know, we were friends back in the the late nineties of San Francisco. And we had, you and I had recently a few weeks ago reconnected and I thought our conversation was so poignant right out of the gate. I was like, gosh, this would be super fun to do a podcast episode of catching up and, and talking about all the fun stuff that I like to talk about. And so I, I appreciate you so much for indulging me and, 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 and jumping in the fray and talking about you know, some of the, your bitch slaps of life in a beautiful, (laughs) vulnerable way. You know, thank you for that. My pleasure, Misha. And then um, I would ask you as well, I usually try and end the podcast. Is there anything you would like to point people to? So is there, you know, I've had people say, oh yeah, these are the causes I believe in. You can donate here, or you could talk about your business or we can just end You, you. I'll leave it to you. Oh, golly. Um, 
I have a lot of causes that I that I like to donate to. Uh, for me this year, because so many people are suffering from food insecurity, I love feeding America. Okay. Is I that like feedingamerica.com or where? Yeah. where? Or dot org, maybe it's dot org. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Oh, I'll 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 put this little this little pro tip. <laughs> um, Fidelity has a uh, fund that you could set up called it's a charitable trust. So you could put money in there and get the tax deduction, and it'll just grow in mutual funds, and then you can donate it out however you want over the course of the year. Fantastic. So I have a little Fidelity charitable trust fund that I, I put some money there before the end of the year, take the tax deduction, and then I can give it out during the course of, of time, however you want. So I love it. I love it. And you can set up reoccurring grants too. So if you have a favorite charity, um, there's one in Richmond, I live in Richmond, California, and there's one that actually uh, does a lot of work with the homeless. It's called a GRIP, the Greater Richmond Interface interfaith program and they feed the homeless, house them, give them showers, give them um, clothing. And so I, I, I donate monthly to them a certain amount. You could set that up to be automatic in your fidelity. It just sounds like a fidelity charitable trust commercial. But <laughs> really cool thing. So I love, I love that makes giving really easy. Oh, beautiful. So what was the last, uh, the Richmond? Um, oh, it's GRIP, G-R-I-P, the Greater Richmond Interface Program. It's a small nonprofit, but they're doing really cool work. They're real. It's a really neat organization. I like them a lot. I also give a fair amount to Doctors Without Borders. Fantastic. I'll tell you what I'll make sure to do uh, is put all those appropriate links into the show notes. So we've got Feeding America, which you like. You've got this Fidelity Trust grant account. I could be butchering that, saying it <laughs> wrong, but that concept is awesome. So that's the second one. The third one is GRIP, the Greater Richmond Interface program. Yep, perfect. And then the doctors without borders. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So thank you so much for jumping in the fray, jumping in the bitch slap fray. <laughs> My face <laughs> is much rosier on the sides now after being slapped a little bit. Yes, nice. Thank you. And I'm going to hit pause and then we can say goodbye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending time with me today. As someone who is committed to growth and service to this world, I so appreciate your willingness to come with me, go within, and serve our world through change. If you found value in this podcast and you know someone who can use this message, share this episode with them. Share it so our mission can be achieved one episode at a time. And of course, subscribe so you can hear more. And lastly, for more resources on what has helped me on my journey and can help you on yours, go to belove.media forward slash resources. That's B-E-L-O-V-E dot media forward slash resources. Thank you again for listening.